0: Full sent. All right, we're back for another week of the LotCast from Trinity Road Times. You've got the uh, the Lauer duo of Trey and Alec here with you. Joel is with us this week. Assad not with us this week, but hopefully he will be back uh, for next week's edition. Uh, We've got a lot of fun things to talk about tonight, uh, some tough things to talk about as well, but we'll start with the, uh, the big news that happened on Thursday, uh, and it happened really suddenly for some people. Uh, Aiden White is back, and NC State's defense looks a ton better going into next season now. Just just with him back, um, I saw a lot of the Harry Potter. He's back gifts today, um, from uh, from one of the movies. Uh, guys, just your thoughts. Obviously, all ACC caliber player entered the transfer portal, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, went through that and and withdrew his name, and now we get our best lockdown corner back with a big matchup on September 7th looming against Tennessee.
1: You know, I think that, uh, I think that's going to be a really big thing for next year because the way Tony Gibson likes to play defense is he likes to do a lot of blitzing and a lot of things like that. But if you don't have corners that can, that can cover, you're going to get burnt that way. So I think it's really big that he's going to be back and we're going to miss Cheyenne battle, but, uh we can deal with that as long as we got Aiden back because he was our, he was our best cover guy anyway. So yeah, it's, it makes a huge difference in the defense. And I think him coming back is going to, you know, I think that's going to give some of the other guys some confidence too, that, you know, we've got, you know, not put, take some pressure off some guys, you know? So I think that's a good thing. I think it's, I was really surprised to see that, but I'm really glad. Yeah. I think you hit it there with, uh,
2: you know, how, how it opens up the creativity of the defense. I think we talked about that a couple episodes ago with, the ability to play man coverage, really to play cover one, even cover zero, really just changes the way this defense can play. And um, you know, the defense was not in great shape, in my opinion. Uh, and I mentioned this a couple times. With you know, if you took all of the players on this on on this roster that were not graduating, and you ranked them in order of how much it would hurt to lose them to the portal or the draft or joining the circus or whatever they're doing um white would have been number two for me behind behind kc Uh, he's that important to this team and you know when he goes down when he goes down sorry when he um transfers and and you lose battle to the draft and you're looking at you know a brandon to that's you know going to be a sophomore and, and, and hasn't started a game and you have you know some so many question marks there, which with a piece that we depend on to be able to man up with no help so much. It, that was that was not good. That was a bad place to be in. And it's really hard to overstate how big this is getting him back because now also you're a lot deeper. Like you said, Joel, you get you know you, you still have you know these guys. Now they're competing for one spot instead of two, right? So now you know you're you're in a much better. You get you know just got Marshall from Villanova. He may play nickel. Uh, but Coley, but you have Sisse back. You have um Trent Hinton. You, know, you have a lot of guys. You can really let the uh, the cream rise to the top there with that. You know, get that extra level of competition with four guys competing for one spot is is a really nice thing to have, and it just it's just huge in every way. And Trey, you mentioned the Tennessee game, right? Like we talked about the way Tennessee plays offense. Um, you know that's a man coverage game. It's a man coverage matchup. It has to be. You know, I was looking at that with, with, with the corner turnover. like, this is terrifying. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what Tennessee's going to look like, but this is, you know, White is going to be huge in that game. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, to overstate how big this is. This is a big, big deal.
1: I mean, another thing, too, is like, you know, maybe – maybe Aiden decided to come back because he he kept seeing all these guys that were, that were transferring in. And maybe he thought, you know what, I'm just going to go back and, and maybe be part of something special. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, I don't know what the, what the situation is, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's huge. But like, after the first game this year, we were all talking about, Oh, we're going to get killed because our, we don't have any safeties. What are we going to do? Well, you know, that, that, that ended up being, you know, a pretty good, that ended up being one of our strong suits actually. So I think it, you know, sometimes we overreact when people leave, but I think Aiden White is that important that he really come for him to come back. That's really important for the team. And I think that's going to give him a lot of confidence and, and it will help him. It will allow him to do more uh, blitzing and do more cover zeros and things like that, which, you know, that'll, that'll free up the, the guys to, to blitz and everything and Gibson loves to do that. So, and we've done it well. So, you know, hopefully that will continue. And hopefully, you know, with, we only have to replace battle, but we've got some guys to choose from. And I think, I think that, I think we'll find, I think somebody will step up and, and do a good job.
2: And a core, a core point, really for White's development into what he, what he has become, which is I think the best quarter in the ACC uh, and what's relevant to guys like Corey Coley and, and Marshall and, And Hinton and, you know, I I think that Brian Mitchell is a phenomenal cornerbacks coach. I think every positional coach in the secondary at NC State, we shouldn't even talk about this on the off chance that someone somewhere hears this and someone tries to hire these guys away. These guys are really good. Like that makes you that gives you a nice little like a little bit of like a confidence thinking about, you know, player turnover because, you know, these guys are these guys are Aiden White wasn't that good of a player when he got here. If you remember mm-hmm. 2021, yeah. he was the corner and he well, got beat a lot.
0: And that's, and that's interesting us. that you point that out because the, the cornerbacks coach at a certain school up the road was, was known for being a good recruiter, but didn't produce the results on the field. And it seems to be a little bit of an opposite with NC state.
2: It's about Dre Bly.
0: Yeah. That's who I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think calling him a coach is a, a, a stretch to begin with. Um, <laughs> And I don't Dre Block. Yeah, I mean he 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 was more of a trash talker. That was more of his position. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that guy at all. But yeah, it, it's it's a critical thing, right? I mean it, it should it shouldn't get overlooked how good those guys have been because you know it's 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 this it's like you mentioned, Joel, like we had issues at safety at the beginning of the year that really didn't show up very much in the back half of the season. Like that's a testament to coaching.
1: And also. Uh... Also, like if you you're gonna get if you get athletes that are good athletes, and you get somebody that can teach them, you can teach guys to play cornerback if they're athletic and they're and they're quick enough, and if they're cerebral enough, you can teach guys to play cornerback. I mean, it, you know, most of these guys that come in are athletic. The good cornerbacks and the bad cornerbacks are separated by how they're taught and how much football IQ they have. That's that's just what I think. Yeah. For sure,
2: yeah, it's it's uh yeah, and I think White is a very smart player. I mean, there's a lot of, of reading, um, you know, tells from receivers that goes into playing coverage like that. So there's a lot that goes into that. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so that yeah, kind of I mean,
0: leads me into a into an interesting Aiden White related question. And then I know we have some some questions from uh, from listeners that we need to get to also, but. Uh, you're talking about the stability of, of the NC state coaching staff and how you know they've all kind of worked together and, and and created this this great product on the defensive side of the ball uh, obviously the big coaching news this week in college football and we're seeing you know one of the biggest jobs open the biggest job open and, and other big jobs will will come open as a result but how important is it do you think that NC state
2: hasn't lost any of these assistants to this point I think it's critical. I mean, coaching continuity is especially in the age of the transfer portal is a big thing, right? I mean, you're, you know, as much as people say commit to a school, not to a coach, right? That's not what people are doing. And I really don't think it's what they should be doing either uh, because, you know, that's who's going to develop you as a player, right? That's who you're going to be working with for four to five years, at least theoretically. Um, so, you know, you get that, that continuity, right? A couple things happen from that, right? One, right you have the goods to sell from that right so if we can we can look at a guy like aiden white and say hey you know this guy came in and got developed by brian mitchell um i think you have a, 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 a it becomes a selling point that you can you know show people you know show recruits and things like this is like valuable right like this is this is the guy who's going to develop you and we have three four years you know, of work put in, you know, to show that, right. There's, there's material value there that you can sell. And so I think a guy like White, guy like Battle, right. Guys that have become quarterbacks of that, of that level is, is, a, uh, you know, the continuity is a big thing and that, you know, it, there's, there's systematic installs that you don't have to do, right. Coaches have different ways of doing things. Um, you know, you, you don't have to do that as much when you have that continuity and you have the same process in place every single year and it just it just makes things so much more efficient uh so yeah i mean it's 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 extremely extremely important
1: it's really big because obviously our defensive coaches are working well together i mean this the defense has been so good the last two years and you can't have a good a defense that good unless every aspect of the defense is working well uh it's it's huge that we keep the coaches in place and especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think we've got – and we're in a good place on offense with Robert and I now. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's just – I'm really excited to see what we can do next year to put everything together. So, By the way, I had
0: to look it up uh, because I was curious. There was a former Brian Mitchell who played in the NFL, but it turns out there were two former Brian Mitchells who played in the NFL at the same time. One played running back for the – Washington Commanders and other played, or, and for the Eagles, and I think he was the Mitchell on the, the the infamous Joe Buck call, and then the other one, our Brian Mitchell, played for the Falcons as a corner. So I, I had to look that up and make sure before I uh, sent people the wrong Brian Mitchell video.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember Brian Mitchell, the running back, now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I don't think State, State doesn't get a high enough
2: degree of player consistently into the program um to have a ton of turnover on the staff so you look at a place like alabama right that has a different offensive coordinator every single year right that's something i think that they can they can deal with right because they can you know they're they don't have to do a ton schematically they don't have to do as much developmentally because they have so much talent you know i think that applies to all a lot of the top schools like that um a place like State, you know, we talk about State, they've leaned on their development program a lot uh, over the course of, of Dorn's tenure. And I think player development, the importance of it is, is slowly decreasing with the way the, the portal is. But because we had so much success with that, that it translated to success in the field, right? We're, we're now having success in the portal because that process helps create a culture. It helps create a winning program that people now want to be part of. So it kind of built into that. Uh, So, and and you can't have a strong development program without coaching continuity because those are the guys that do the development, obviously. So yeah, it's, 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 it's as important as anything.
0: Yeah, certainly. And I think that's going to, like you said, really make things interesting. NC state's been appearing in almost all of the way too early top 25s, uh, mostly in the 20 to 25 range. Uh, But you know, that was without Aiden White. Now you get your best, your best defensive player back. Uh, that's not named Peyton Wilson, and uh, and so that that might that might increase the hype a little bit more for this NC State team. I think the biggest area of concern still for the defense is linebacker. Um, I know that they might want to maybe in the portal pursue another defensive tackle of some so some, some sort down the line, but. Do you agree with that? That linebacker might be the biggest area still right now that's uh, of the concern for the defense.
1: Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, I think so.
2: I think it depends on where they put Brown. I think whichever whichever spot Brown ends up in, the other one will be the biggest question mark. So Brown, good chance Brown plays linebacker, and if you have that, you're going to have Betty, you're going to have Fordham, and you're going to have Brown, which. You know, our three players that I I like, Um, and and none of those guys are Peyton Wilson. None of those guys are Drake Thomas, but they don't necessarily, they don't have to be either. Um, But that leaves you with some question marks at safety. And then obviously it's the other way around. The question becomes, well, who's your third linebacker? Is it a guy like Wyatt Wright? Is it someone coming up through the program like a Kamal Bonner? Uh, There's not an immediate answer there. Uh, So, yeah, it really just depends on on what they decide to do with Sean Brown, who I think would probably be a better linebacker, but uh,
1: we'll see. Isn't Jalen Parker still, isn't he one, isn't he still on the team? He is, yeah. So, you know, and he's, he had some, he got some, uh, some play playing time last year and he seemed okay. So maybe, you know, he can step up too. I mean, you know, Jalen Scott kind of came out of nowhere. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, they've got, they've got players in there and
2: and you look at, we just talked about it. You know, the development program has been kind of the hallmark of the, of the program for a while now. So it makes you feel a little bit better knowing that those things are working. You have, you have reason to believe a guy that's coming up as a freshman, you know, is a guy that can, you know, step in and, and accelerate his level of play, you know, faster than he would if he, you know, played for like Gene Chiswick or something. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: it's, I think we should also mention, because I don't think this had happened yet when we, podcasted last but but obviously Noah Rogers is now a member of NC State and he was courtside for the game uh, the UNC game on Wednesday night uh, sitting with Lex Thomas and KC so uh, and Hollywood Smothers is also now officially uh, with NC State Uh, so he and uh, KC are bringing the uh, a little bit of the Chambers High School flair back to NC State football because they they were on the same state championship team uh, in Charlotte, so uh, they know each other very well. So a couple of new guys added there. The excitement level for offense uh, is just through the roof right now.
2: This it offense, is. it has no holes in it. The last time you could say that, probably the closest you can get, I think, is 2017. This offense does not have any, any – Parent holes in it i haven't played a game yet so you know you can't make too many assumptions necessarily but you know you're you're good you got a great quarterback this is the best offensive line states had since since at least 2017 um running back group is is more than sufficient it's deep and um the receiver room you know probably figures to be the best since 2018 Probably, you know, there's 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 still some 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 wild cards in there, but you have a lot of a lot of depth there, too. So you can let the the the, you know, the talent rise to the top like like you want to do. You know, so yeah. it really is. You know, I, I want to see what they do at the H. Um, You know, is it, you know, Reed Mitchell is back. He played a fair amount there, but you lose Penix. Um, who, who's going to be that that H player that is primarily a run blocker? Is it Dante Daniels? Um, is it? Gordon Pool, maybe I know Isaiah Shirley played some some blocking roles on offense this year. And there's a lot of things you could do. Uh, I'll be curious to see what that looks like. But when your only question is who's going to play the H, you're in pretty good. Uh, you're in pretty good shape.
1: You are. And think about this: we've got guys transferring from Oklahoma and Ohio State to NC State. I mean, <laughs> when does that happen? I mean, that's just. I mean, that's. It's just the crazy world of transfer transfer portal these days, I guess. And, and I what's mean. even
0: crazier about that, Joel, is it's all the guys that we lost out on originally to Oklahoma yeah. and Ohio State that have come back. And I know Lex uh, Thomas, Samarcus Cooley, Noah Rogers, they all wanted to play together at some point. Now they get the chance to be on the same team. But, you know, it's the guys that we lost out on getting a, getting a new opportunity at the school that that they will be able to, to show out on.
1: That's true. I mean, they're going to play and they're going to contribute and they're going to be I mean, Noah Rogers has so much potential. I mean, I think Smothers has a huge amount of potential too. So, this is this is really good news for us and it's it, going to be interesting to see who plays and how much people play, but I think we've just got we've got yeah. so much talent and I just I, and we, with a quarterback like uh like McCall, I think we're going to be really really good on offense next yeah. year. If I'm not mistaken,
0: Noah Rogers is the highest-rated North Carolina recruit since Dexter Lawrence. He's the highest-rated uh, offensive recruit in North Carolina in quite some time, and uh, almost was a five-star when he committed to Ohio State. So we're definitely getting a getting a good one there.
2: Yeah, it depends on the the service you use, but you know, the talk the the people that have watched him is has always been that you know he's. More than just the best player that year, right? He's the best player in, in a while, right? He's a you know a first round NFL draft pick potential guy. Um, it's interesting though. You think about the transfer portal and and what it's doing right now for NC State. There was all this talk when when NIL came around about how it was going to consolidate talent into the top programs, and you see that right. You see people leaving you know to step up, right? But but it's also doing the opposite, and I don't know if it's that's not necessarily NIL related, but uh, you, you know that you're seeing the the uh, the depth pieces at places like Ohio State and Oklahoma that aren't playing coming back, you know, to the programs that are traditionally below those programs, and and it's kind of redistributing the talent that way also. So, you know, it's 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 not it's a little bit more complicated, I think, than we thought it was going to be when when the transfer portal really became a thing, and when you know all this player movement really became a thing is. It, you know, for a school like State, I think we're all worried about guys like KC just bolting for the biggest offer. But you know, there's more to it than that. And we're getting some really good players coming back to us now because they didn't play at a place like Ohio State. You know, normally then no one normally Rogers just redshirts and he's there for four years. So Yeah, I remember it's, sitting
0: it's... there watching the uh, the bowl game they were in against Missouri and I was sitting there wondering and waiting waiting for Noah Rogers to, to come into the game and he never he never played in even even when they were without their their key guys he never played in that bowl game so
2: you have to wonder if maybe he already he already told somebody he was leaving at that point so, it's possible um, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm just speculating I have no idea but I I do think it's it's cool that. Um, th- that we've made it 21 minutes without talking about the basketball game. So, uh, we- <laughs> well, we need to get to- <laughs> we need
0: to get to that. But but, but I wanted to uh, to ask you guys a question that uh, I mentioned it earlier. Obviously, the the big news this week was that's not NC State related. Is that Nick Saban retired, and that's going to create a big trickle down effect. So real fast, who are your picks to be the coach there, and, and how would that affect the ACC or NC State? I think it's going to be Mike Norvell. Not affects the, the
2: ACC. Uh, I think it's 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 Chizik. It's Chizik's job. <laughs> <police>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, Let's they, hope that. they yeah. should
0: take Mac Brown. Though, so go go take Mac Brown and 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 yeah.
2: But
1: I mean, I think I think if I really thought it was going to be Lane Kiffin's job, if he wanted it, you know, mm-hmm. and it still might be. You know, I mean, I I I don't think they would have a problem offering it to him. I mean, he was he learned from Saban and. You know He's been successful at, uh, at Ole Miss, so I think that it's his job if he wants it. That's just the way I feel about it right
0: now. Well, and the reason I bring that up, I know that was very unrelated to what we're talking about, but um, obviously Nick Saban and Pete Carroll and Lane Kiffin are all connected to NC State in a way. That is because Pete Carroll was on Monty Kiffin's staff at NC State, and Nick Saban replaced Pete Carroll at Ohio State, who left for NC State. So there's a little bit of an NC State connection with Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin, Pete Carroll, all so intertwined. what you're together.
2: saying is that Nick Saban should be a special advisor to the NC State football program.
0: I, I would think no. so. Yeah. Yeah,
2: probably yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a, a a bizarre, almost cold irony for for Alabama that because Saban was so successful all of his assistants got hired away so frequently that they don't have an immediate replacement for him that can step in like so many other schools, like, like, like that happens a lot, but not at that level. Not that it was happening yeah. in Tuscaloosa. I mean, those guys are everywhere. You know, Ryan day at Ohio state was, was just a, a, a step right in. Um, you know, they don't have that because every year it's turning over and, these guys are going places and they're winning mm-hmm. and it's it's that's, honestly insane the coaching tree that he has and that's what you know, I think happens cold. at Michigan
0: that's what I think happens Mostly. at Michigan if Harbaugh leaves that that offensive coordinator would get promoted that's what I think would happen
1: Yeah probably yeah I mean it's it's interesting you know it's a testament to Saban that, that he had so much coaching turnover and they were still as good as they were every year I mean they didn't miss a beat very often. I think that's what's happened to Clemson a little bit. I think Davo has, I think his success has been his downfall a little bit. I think all of his his assistants have left, you know, Venerable's going to Oklahoma and uh, Tony, Elliot. I can't think of it, Elliot, Elliot at Virginia. And, you know, I think, but but Clemson, I think when those assistants left, I think they they lost some stuff. And I don't think the people that people they got in to replace them uh, were as good as they were. I mean I think that's what's happened at Clemson, but Alabama was able to keep it. They they've kept it at the same level. And I know they recruit well, they do. But Clemson did too. So I just think I just think Saban did a really good job of keeping them at the top every year.
0: Yeah, I'm just excited to see and interested to see if it is Norvell or, or if, if for some reason they go with Dabo Swinney uh, as the new coach there, what kind of effect that would have on uh on, on on the ACC because they'd be losing a really good coach. Norvell, I think I gained a lot of respect for Norvell this year. I, I was one of the very few people who was not high on Florida State at the beginning of the season, um, and I felt very bad for them that they missed the college football playoff, and I thought Norvell did a great job this year. So uh, I, I'd be very interested to see him in that role. But uh, enough of talking about coaches that aren't related to NC State in any way. Uh, we have to go – from that to a little bit of sadness and a little bit of uh, of disagreement, uh, as NC State basketball ran out of gas against UNC on uh, uh, on Wednesday night, they were they were on their way back down I forty. They they were almost back to the finish line, and they uh, they ran out of gas in uh, in Morrisville somewhere, and, and weren't able to complete the job. So uh, tough break for them, but uh, uh, just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with the basketball. couldn't couldn't hit any shots.
1: Yeah, they were it was a that was a really a really bad shooting game. I mean, they've had three of those now. Uh that doesn't happen three times very often in, in a year for a team, but it's hard to imagine you go from 49% to 27%. Now, I understand that it was a different opponent. It's a different type of uh, a defense that they were playing. I get that. But you should be able to shoot 35% against anybody if you got guys that can shoot. I mean, UNC played really good defense. They were, they're quicker than we are. I mean, they really are. We don't have a lot of quickness. That's, that's one of our problems. Uh, but, you know, and, and our guys were, our guys are slower running people off screens and stuff like that. Uh, it was just, I don't know, shooting wise, it, it I don't understand how we can have DJ Horn shoot really well one game and the next game, he can't hit anything. Jaden Taylor's been in a slump for a while. Casey Morel's not playing as well as he was last year, but we have guys that can shoot. We have talent. Now I know Alex says he don't think there's as much talent, but I think we have talent. I just don't think it's the right kind of talent. Always, uh, we've got guys that are not particularly good at, um, at at running running off screens and then catching and then running around the screen and then shooting or step back stepping back for three. We've got spot up shooters, and if we don't get the spot up they're not going to hit many shots because they just don't shoot well unless they're spotting up. Uh, That's why they do well when DJ finds somebody standing outside when they double down on him. He throws it back out. They hit a three-pointer because they're standing there and they're set. If they're having to move before that, they just can't shoot very well. We don't have anybody that can drive to the basket very well. Uh, DJ Horn doesn't do it at all. Taylor tries to do it. uh, but it's just not, I mean, and Morsell will go in there and he just he just goes crazy sometimes like he did last night trying to take over the, I mean, he was like he was trying to take over the game and I understand nobody else was doing anything, but I mean, I just think that's, I think there's a lot of talent. I just don't think we have the right talent and we're missing certain pieces. We're missing a point guard. O'Connell can play point guard, but he's not very quick. He's not going to score that much. He really can't, he can't go inside very much because he's not tall enough. He's not big enough. Uh, I mean, I I just think we need another point guard. But I think we, I think at this point, we should try some different people. I mean, why not give LJ Thomas? Why not put him in the game and let him see what he can do? I mean, he's a pretty good shooter. Uh, and then you know maybe we should give G- G- Breon Pass a chance. I mean, he's I know he hadn't played a whole lot, but you know he he can shoot and he's and he's decent on defense, so. And we need to get MJ Rice in the game more. Uh, I know some people say, "Well, defensively, he's not," and maybe he's not where he needs to be defensively. But he, the guy, can score. I mean, he can score, and uh, you know, and he's going to be a really good player. So it's just we need to give him more. We need to give him more minutes, and we need to keep the Ara in the game mm-hmm. way more than he's been getting. He's not been getting the minutes that he deserves. I mean, you saw what he did last night in 15 minutes. He was. He was, as good at, he was probably better than anybody, except for maybe Middlebrooks. I mean, we've got to keep him in the game more. We've got to keep Middlebrooks in the game more. Uh, we've got to keep Jalen Taylor from just – he just can't keep shooting like that when he just can't hit anything. I mean, you know, he's a good defensive player, but if he's not shooting well, he just, he's got to stop taking contested crazy shots like he did last night. I mean, he's, he's off balance. He's stepping back. I mean, it's just – he's not going to make those shots. I mean – you know, throw the, give the ball up to somebody else, move the ball. Yeah. I think that that was all very well said. I think
2: you hit it on the head when you said we don't have a point guard is kind of the truth of the matter here is, um, you know, talent is, you know, a a term that the definition of it can can change by the person. So it's a little bit of a semantic discussion, I think, but but the the point that you make, the larger point that you make is our players are are you know we, we have shooters right we have shooters right. Horn is a good shooter. He's a career over thirty eight percent three point shooter in I think five years. That's really good, right? More so can shoot the basketball. He shot forty one percent last year, right? Taylor is not a great shooter, but he's not a terrible shooter either. Um, you know he's been hot and cold this year, but you have the guys that that you can you can stretch the floor with. Like, this team isn't isn't lacking for shooters, but they don't have a real point guard. And I think uh, some people think O'Connell is a real point guard. I think O'Connell is more like a 1980s point guard. He's not a modern point guard in this game. So if you go back and you look at what made State's offense good last year, right, it was guards that can attack the basket out of the ball screen. Right? That is the fundamental aspect of this offense, which is the spread ball screen offense that State runs. It's the fundamental aspect is you have to be able to attack the basket. You don't have to score out of the screen as the ball handler every time. Right? But that is what creates movement with the ball, right, is rim pressure, right? We can't create any of that right now. DJ Horn, in the last two games where defense has played primarily drop and ice coverage on ball screens, three of 22 from two. That is horrible. Right? DJ Horn is... Exactly what you said he is, Joel. He is a two guard who is a spot up shooter. He's a three and D guy. And he is playing point guard. And that's fine. Like that's that's not there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. I think he's a good player. I really I want him to play a lot of minutes. But I want him to play a lot of minutes as a two guard. Because he's not a point guard. And we've watched him the last couple games and Virginia does it Virginia's a different story because they defended the ball screen very differently and the other they had some matchup issues with state um, that you didn't really see as much with Notre Dame and with uh with um a uh, crap factory on Wednesday night, but um they you know, Horn is gonna take a lot of these these mid-range jumpers because he is not a threat to score over a big, right? You go back to last year, Jarkel Joyner was was gonna score over some people. Right? He was gonna drive on the big in the drop coverage and he was gonna score on him. And if you didn't come up and stop him, he was gonna make a shot from fifteen feet. Because he could do that. So you couldn't play this soft drop that teams are playing right now. Right. You can play that with Horn because he's not going to make a shot from 15 feet. And he's proven that in the last two games. And so what ends up happening is everything stagnates with that soft drop coverage because it doesn't ask anything of the defense. You don't have to rotate off the shooters at all. There's no movement happening with the defense. It's, it's just, and, and then you factor in the fact that you're running these with DJ Burns, who doesn't roll to the basket. And there's, it's the easiest thing in the world to defend. All you have to do is run over the screen and get the big to plant his feet at the top of the paint and say, come and get me or shoot over me. And he's not going to do it because he can't. It's not his game. So, you know, do we have talent? Sure. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have good players. I think so. But they don't fit in a pick and roll system. And O'Connell is the same problem. O'Connell, is, I think, is a very good passer. I think he sees the floor very well. Uh, he's absolutely not a threat to score in any way and that's not a guy that can play point guard in a ball screen offense and ball screen offense is like 90 of offense in basketball these days there's very few teams that don't run those sets as like primary sets now the Virginia you know they play some other stuff they play a little bit of old school motion block remover kind of crap like that but most teams the foundational elements are are the ball screen offense it's even true in the NBA and You know, there's nothing wrong with the way Keats runs this team. There's nothing wrong with the offensive system, right? We don't have the personnel to run it. And that's not going to get fixed. It's just not, you know. I mean, you have Cam Woods on the bench, right? You have a guy like Rice who maybe you could do some things in there with as, as either a screen man or as a ball handler in there. But, you know, you're giving up some things defensively. I think Woods has a gear maybe that the other guards don't have, which is a plus. But those guys, I just, I don't think they're saviors for that. I don't think they're that, they're not that good. So it leaves you at this, at this really crossroads where you can't run your base stuff very effectively. And it's just, it's, you know, you have Burns, right? And you can play through him in the post and you can surround him with spot up shooters. And there's good stuff that you can do with that. And there's good stuff that did against UNC with that. They came out in the second half after a horrible offensive first half and they posted him up in the short corner and they put DJ Horn at the point and they had Taylor at the wing and it made it the, the it made it really hard to double Burns and UNC tried to double him and they so they got two wide open threes on the first two possessions made one of them they started to figure that figure them out a little bit but that's all that's all state's offense can be and that's not, that's just not going to be enough. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's just lacking, it's lacking a point guard basically is basically all it's missing. I mean, I think the rest of the players are, you know, I think you can surround a good point guard with shooters. I love Mo Diara. I think he's defensively is excellent. Uh, I think it's a good defensive team. So you don't have to score 85 points a game, but it's, you know, the offenses is the burns sets and that's about it. And, uh, I just, I don't think that's going to get fixed and I think the team is you know very fortunate to be 3 and 1 in the league because if Notre Dame and Boston College make free throws they're 1 and 3 and unfortunately <clears throat> excuse me I think that reality is going to settle in probably not against Louisville cuz they're awful but down the stretch here you know, I I don't I don't like the 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 future prospects of this team this year because I, I don't I don't see where the points are going to come from
1: I kind agree of. with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're right about that. As far as like uh, not having a point guard, and O'Connell is an old school type point guard. You know, he's like the he's like the Chris Cortiani type point guard. I mean, from from the '80s. I mean, but it's a different game now. I mean, uh, another thing too is like when DJ's in the game, uh, they can't really they can't really pull him outside very far because if they do the guy guarding him is just not going to go with him because he's not going to score from more than 12 feet. I mean, so the, the big guy's in the middle. So that clogs up the middle. We, if we try to drive, you know, it's just not going to happen. I mean, and DJ doesn't roll very well, you know. Uh, the, the era if he's in the game, uh, they leave him open a lot on the outside. Like last night, you know, he had two threes. He, he hit the one three, he missed the other one. But he can make that shot. Uh, he was a little... He didn't really want to take the second when he kind of hesitated on it, but then he did, he went ahead and did it and he hit it. But if, if, if he could score more from the outside and play more minutes that might draw some of the bigs out a little bit. I don't know. It could, it could help a little bit. Uh, ben Middlebrooks is playing really good basketball right now. He's way better than I, than I thought he would be. I mean, he plays hard, he rebounds and he's scoring lately, you know? So uh, he's not a very, he's not an outside threat either, though. He'll take three pointers, but he's not going to hit me. <laughs> I mean, he had they're an airball last really night. Yeah. yeah, they're real bad. So, <laughs> but I mean, he he plays, he plays really hard. Uh, he plays really physical on the inside. That's something we've not had for a while. Oh, well, DJ's kind of physical, but as far as like Middlebrooks, you know, he has more mobility and he's not a bad defensive player. I mean, he's really not. I mean, he blocks, he's, He's a threat to block shots, you know. Uh, I, you know, it's just you're right. I mean, we have. It's like I said, we don't have the right personnel that we need to make that offense, you know, as good as it as we wanted. Yeah, and no, we I- we are and we we are playing better defense. Uh, I thought we played really good defense last night until, you know, toward the very end. And I think honestly, I think we got a little tired last night. They looked tired. They really did.
0: I think one of the big things for me that I noticed that happens every time we play UNC is transition basketball. Uh, so, for example, there were a couple of issues where where we missed a shot. And I apologize if you guys talk about this. I had a work thing to work through there. But uh, uh, the, the, um, the missed shots and then not getting back on defense leading to a very easy bucket for that blue mm-hmm. school and that yeah. that that seems to be an issue every time we play them whether it was with Roy williams or with hubert davis
2: yeah that i mean that was their mo for a long time was you know they, they got they got a reputation as the you know playing through the bigs which you know, their bigs were always excellent with williams but um yeah i mean they, they get up the floor that's that's who they've been and i you know i haven't watched them a lot recently but i imagine that's still a big big component of what they do and You know, I will say that you're exactly right. This was the most fundamentally poor basketball game I've seen this state team play all year. Uh, They – what's incredibly frustrating about the poor offensive performance is they still could have won. They still could have won. Oh, yeah. They they just – oh, my goodness. It was like this team was pressing so hard in this basketball game. There was so much thinking happening on the court. There was so much uncertainty I don't know. I don't know where that comes from because you don't see it every game. It's not like it's a constant thing with this team. Um, but it was. It was really there. We saw uh, a horrible pass in transition uh, that threw away a chance to tie the game. We saw um, it was still a really close game. and We got uh, an opportunity for Jaden Taylor to attack a closeout, and he double dribbled. Uh, they did not get back on defense. They did not stop the ball. Right. That's the number one thing in transition is stop the ball, and they didn't do that. Uh, you know, it was it was really poor, you know, even beyond we talk about the X's and O's all we want to and and how that projects for the rest of the year. But, you know, at the end of the day, UNC was very beatable and, uh, you know, State more or less, I think they just threw the game away. You know, it was it was down to two, 54, 52, I think it was. Uh, we had multiple opportunities to tie the game, but the execution was so poor because I think state figured them out at halftime. I mean, I, the, the the burn sets in the short corner when they came out with that after halftime. That was working. Right. That was that was confusing UNC. Right. That was that was pinching their defense quite a bit. But the execution was just awful. And you know, you know, they're not a good enough offense that they can sit there and do stuff like that and think that they're going to score enough points to win the game. So there are two completely different discussions between the the, the x's and o's of the offense and why the team was just completely. Um, so tight last night. But, you know, both of those things going to lead to a pretty hideous offensive effort, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. So, so
0: where do you think we go from here, right? I mean, we're still in the mix, quote-unquote, in the ACC in terms of at the top of the conference, but we were already outside of the tournament bubble in most people's eyes going into this game, and it felt like a game we needed to win.
2: Where do we go from here? I mean, just – level with y'all I think they're going to lose a lot of games
1: I do too after last night uh, I mean there's some teams that we can beat that you know we can like Miami we can beat them I mean but will we beat them I don't know I and mean, it just all depends on the way we match up to teams I mean Louisville but did <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying but we're gonna we're gonna struggle against a lot of people we really are I mean and it's going to be – it's not going to be necessarily a defensive – from the defensive standpoint, it's going to be from the offensive standpoint and finishing out. I think maybe the game was a little bit bigger than they were last night. Uh, I think a lot of them were uh, in a situation that they hadn't been in. You know, like we've yeah. got like DJ Horn and Jaden Taylor. They came from different programs. But that that rivalry and that atmosphere in PNC was, I think, a lot more than, they, than they've than they seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and then and you've got and you got you know Middlebrooks played for Clemson, but that's not the same. And then you've got Diarra, who was at Missouri. Uh, you know, I not I think maybe they were just a little bit. Uh, they were a little bit like shell shocked or something. I don't know. I mean, and also when they first came out at the, at the first of the game, they played with so much intensity. I think maybe some of them were just a little too. They were they were maybe had had too much adrenaline. And I think maybe that affected some of the shooting in the beginning and, you know, how when shooting starts going bad, it just keeps going bad. Uh, yeah. That could, that could have been a factor too. I mean, it, you know, the place was full. It was loud. It's, it's, you know, it's UNC and it's NC state. So that's a big rivalry. You know, that could have had some bearing on it too.
2: We got think, a couple um,
0: questions here. Sorry, Alec. Go ahead.
2: i want to talking about Mo Diara first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Cause you asked, you asked what, where do we go from here? So, I mean, just, like, that's kind of what, where I'm at. Like, candidly, I, I don't think this is a tournament team. Um, I think the X factor remains Diara. And I'll tell you why is, you know, we saw this at the very, very beginning of Kevin Keats's tenure, the impact of shooting big can have. Tiara has not been a high-volume shooter, nor has he even been a high-volume player. I know he's been banged up a little bit. You know, but he's a guy, in addition to his defense— the one thing that he has shown an inkling of offensively is a jump shot. And if you can, you can play a, a big like that who can shoot the basketball, it changes the pick and roll offense a lot and it will force them to pull their big away from the paint to deal with that. Right. It makes it a much, much harder to ice the ball screen, right? Icing a ball screen is a lot of anticipation right now. State could get a wide open jump shot for Mo with a side pick and roll ghost action instantly. Every Definitely. time. They would not even try to stop it. So if you if you if you want to be an optimist, and I support optimism, uh, that's something <laughs> that I think gives you gives you a little bit of hope is is there's a lot of guys that can impact a game that haven't played a lot right? And a guy like Dior is a guy like that. If if you can, I mean, he's not going to go shoot like 45% from three, right? He's not over here at seven, but you know, if, if you can do enough as a shooter to make them adjust to that, right, you can break the coverage or right? you can break the soft pick and roll coverage that you're getting right now that you can't deal with. Right, So that to me is a, is a big component is you, you need really in a modern game, you really need a shooting big to be able to run these actions with, because it just puts so much more pressure on the defense and, uh diara has shown a little bit of that and i you know i would like to see more ball screen actions involving him and uh, he moves really well and i would like to see him move to different parts of the court not just pure pick and roll sprinkle some pick and pop in there uh and let's um you know, let's see if we can break up this this coverage because it's 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 a rhythm for the defense at this point. I mean, they do the same thing every possession. I mean, it doesn't matter what the pick and roll action is, right? It doesn't matter if you're going to run, you know, you know, what set it's run out of, if it's run out of horns, if it's run out of whatever, whatever, if it's a side pick and roll, if it's a high pick and roll, right? If it's coming off of a, a dribble handoff, right? There's there's so many different you know ways to initiate a ball screen and alignments put around. But if you can't get rim pressure, it doesn't matter. But you can maybe to get, get start getting some if you can start pulling that big and, and, and making him concerned about, you know, a three pointer going in for MoDR. And right now, you could get that shot without even trying. Like, they will give it to you. They are not going to guard that. So, no.
1: uh,
2: yeah, let it rip. Let's see it. Because what else do you have? I mean, I, I, I realize you don't right. have
1: anything to lose. Yeah.
2: I feel like they don't. I mean, I really just am not very optimistic about this basketball team. And uh, I think that you got to, you know, you got to put, you got to give Cam Woods more minutes. And you got to give Diarra as many minutes as he can handle because he is a difference maker for the team. I think and defensively, for sure. Defensively, he is a boss. I mean, he's, he's very good. A monster yeah, monster defensively. Yeah. He can switch one through five and guard on the – He had a closeout last night that was like the highlight of the game for me. I'm like the president of the Modiara fan club. He is so good. He is so good. I think so. I love this guy so much. Uh, yeah, he he is a problem for teams because he eliminates the ball screen because he can switch comfortably, right? He switches one through five with him and you can't even attack him because he can guard your point guard. He is that good of a defender. He is that good. So, you know, I want to see some offense from him too. And and I think, you know, he's just got to work that in and, you know, you got to, you got to give a shot to what you have to give a shot to to try and win some games. You know, I'm not predicting that Mo Diara is going to go make 53s, but. You got to see what happens.
0: Well, we, we got a couple questions from, from people uh, on social media uh, that uh, you, Alec asked you know, for some questions, and we got some. So one of them comes from, uh, I want to say his name is Ty. Ty 24 on Twitter says, uh, asking about the, the Spain pick and roll and, and asking how if you have any numbers on how many times maybe they've done that in the past. Um, and it said it, didn't really lead to a bucket, but he was curious uh, about your thoughts on that. And then Gabe, uh, said, why didn't Keats make more shots? Um, but, uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but let's, uh, let, let's get to the first one there first. And also we wanted to give a shout out to, to Alex G. He also asked a question, uh, but the question was for Assad, uh, who is not here tonight. So, uh, we'll, we'll ask that question to Assad next week. Uh, we, keep- we can even answer if we want later, but, uh, that question is is for us but let's get to uh let's get to ty's question there about the the spain pick and roll
2: yeah i have I've been talking to ty on Twitter about i I, I want i agree with, i think that's that's his name maybe we'll maybe we'll learn it for sure but yeah he, he knows he knows ball pretty well it's been it's been fun uh, fun to talk to him I just recently followed him and uh yeah, he's got a lot of uh i recommend following him if you're a state basketball fan he's got some good stuff um i I don't know how many times they've ran Spain I don't think that they've done it very often, but I don't, I don't have gone back and, and really, you know, tried to document every, every pick and roll action. I've really only gone back and watched film on the, the big game so far. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't have a great answer for you on that, but I, I feel like it doesn't really fit what they want to do that well. Um, and then uh, I don't know why Kevin Keyes didn't make more shots. Uh, I, I sent him an email uh, before the game, asked him to make more shots, and he didn't reply to me at all. Uh, so <laughs> fire him for that. no um yeah no i mean it's it's a funny nod to uh to um the people that are hypercritical of him as a coach and you know sometimes the ball just doesn't go in and on top of yeah. all the other issues they were having that was part of it sometimes you just shoot poorly like it, just, it it happens you know and when you know that was a component so it wasn't the only thing but uh yeah it, it's 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 a it's a i think it's a nod to that and i i appreciated it
1: I don't think the, I don't think they play the Spain pick and roll very much. I don't I don't I don't see it a lot, or I don't notice it a lot. I just don't think that's part of the what they want to do on the offense. I don't, I don't see it very often. So, and also the reason Keats almost made as many shots as the other guys, you know. So <laughs> from three, from three, yes. Well, he
0: he right, only had so. two less three pointers than the entire rest <laughs> of the
1: team did. So exactly. So yeah, I mean. You know, maybe if he'd have yeah. had a few more minutes, he would have he would have done better. I don't know.
0: Well, state shot nine percent from three. Did they make a lot of threes?
2: Nine. No, they should have shot mm-hmm. hundred. They would have made at least nine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's interesting to go back and watch. Like, I, I do want to go back and watch some of these other games and and see what you know additional additional actions because you know he, he gets a lot of crap for just being a pick and roll coach but like there's a lot more going on out there than just that right there's a lot of different pick and roll actions like we've seen a ram a fair amount this year we saw it against virginia um you know i there was some talk about the virginia game i think we talked about earlier and and why that was so different is i i can't believe tony bennett didn't adjust his pick and roll coverage. It's just so obvious, like what to do against the state team. And I know, I know what that's what they do is they hedge all the screens super aggressively, but it just doesn't. It, it was weird to watch, and and that's why O'Connell played so well in that game is because when you hedge that hard, you have to rotate off shooters, and he can find those guys and he can make those skip passes, which are difficult that go away right when you're no longer rotating off the shooters. So. You know, there's a there's a schematic component to why state was so bad against Notre Dame and UNC and suddenly good against Virginia. Um yeah, there was some RAM in that game for sure. We saw some horns alignment. Like there's a lot of stuff happening out there that is not, you know, just you know, ISO ball as everyone loves AAU ball is all everyone loves to say, which just is like it gets under my skin every time people talk about it like that. So um yeah, that's my answer to whatever the question was. <laughs> Why didn't Keats make more shots?
0: Um, I, 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 the question that Alex had for Assad was about his hottest movie takes. Um, that's not a random question of the day, but it may very well should have been. Our random question of the day is coming up after this. But uh, do you guys have any hot movie takes? And we'll get Assad's next week. Mar-
2: Marvel's trash.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's mine. <laughs> that's mine. Mm. Okay, that's that's straight to the point. What about (laughs) you, Trey? Do you have
0: my my hot movie take is that um, the 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 current Star Wars trilogy is not as bad as people say it was. The second movie was terrible, but the current Star Wars, the the newest trilogy, is not as bad as people say it was. That's my Hmm. hottest
2: take. Collaborate. People,
0: the, the the stories just didn't make sense, and that it was just kind of a rehashing of the originals, and and all of that. And I thought they were decent movies. I thought I, I thought it was its own little story. And and yes, they brought back the old characters, but I I I didn't have a problem with the first and third movie in the trilogy. The second one, which is the one everybody loved, I
2: hated that one. They're about seven, eight, and nine, right? Yeah, yeah. So nine to me is the third worst movie I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, The Last Skywalker, yeah. Yeah,
2: that to me that to me is number three on the list of worst movies ever made. Yeah. No, I disagree.
0: Hmm. I think I I think that one had some pacing issues.
2: Definitely oh and I thought some... about the the Spain pick and roll. Sorry. Is um <laughs> They doesn't. They don't roll enough. This one's been all over the place enough. They no orchestrate that either, right? Because because Burns isn't isn't doing enough rolling to the rim to 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 really orchestrate that set. So yeah. So yeah, I think that's part of it too. Anyway, yeah. So I think that <laughs> little movies are not. I don't like them at all. I think that they are. Uh, um. I think they are. I can write a book about why I don't like Marvel movies. But anyway, I'm shocked to hear that about, about Star Wars from you Trey, because I thought those movies... I, I appreciated the attempt to do something different in the eighth one, I guess it was. You know, I, I, can, I can appreciate something that was attempted and failed as opposed to no attempt yeah. at all. And I think the ninth Star Wars was no attempt at all. And I feel like a lot of the Marvel movies are also no attempt at all. I feel like it's corporate boardroom filmmaking, lowest common denominator mass audience appeal, and I yeah. think it uh, leads to a very poor quality product. Um,
0: I just remember like... leaving the theater after the eighth one, The Last Jedi, and, I'm, and everybody that I was with to see that movie was like, that was really good. That was so great. I was like, did we watch the same movie? Nothing happened in that movie. Nothing happened. I don't even remember it. <laughs> like...
2: yeah. and they're all bad. Yeah. Star Wars is like the poster boy for, for like like corporate filmmaking bloat. Like this, just shouldn't even be a thing anymore. Like it's it's run its course, guys. It was a it was an awesome idea, it was a great backstory to its original creation, and it's just been run into the ground by people trying to just squeeze dollar bills out of it. And it's like, it just come on, like college it, football.
1: Just let it go. Come up mm. with
2: something new.
1: Do you have I one, Joel? Um. Uh... Yeah, there's lots that I could say. I mean, I think I think the Titanic was way too long. I think I grew two inches during that movie. Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, I think Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker in Batman is one of the best acting performances I've ever seen.
0: I agree. I actually got into a fight with somebody on Twitter about Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker because Joaquin Phoenix people were like, Oh, he's the best Joker that ever lived. And I was like, did you guys watch Heath Ledger play the Joker?
2: (laughs) That was my my man, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. He crushed that movie.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that wasn't our question of the day. Um, but our question of the day does kind of revolve around, uh, revivals in a way, in a sense, uh, we were talking about old movie franchises being brought back and things like that. And, um, But the random question of the day today is: Think back to a old car brand that is not around anymore. Which one would you bring back, and why? And I'll let Joel go first because I think I I, he had a really interesting one that he was going to say.
1: Well, I was talking about Studebakers, but that's a lot of people don't even know what those are. But that's, you know, they were they were pretty popular for a while. But actually, I would say Oldsmobile. Uh, I had an Oldsmobile when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, I just, I hated to see that that brand go. And I know it was General Motors, but it was still, they were different, you know? Uh, so I would say Oldsmobile. And then I would say, I would also say Yugo just so I could make yes. fun of them. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, my answer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I've been thinking of,
2: go ahead. For
1: people that don't know, what is a Yugo? A Yugo was a, very cheap terribly made car that was made in Yugoslavia and it didn't last very long uh after about two months the fenders were rusting out i mean it was it was a horribly made car now they were cheap you could buy a new one for like thirty eight hundred bucks you know it <laughs> would when, when other cars were like ten and twelve thousand then but it just was well, it was it didn't last but you know a couple of years i mean it was just it was it was almost comical. You know, people buying those, and I don't know. It just, I just always thought that was a that was really funny because they didn't last long enough to do anything with. You know, (laughs) it's weird. That was that was from the eighties, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the
0: car brands that have gone away from when when I was a kid were were the GM brands, and and Plymouth, obviously. Um, And you guys remember the car company Eagle. Yes. Yeah, I remember them. They they went out of business a while ago. But the one that I was going to say was Pontiac. And the reason why I say that is because the funkiest looking car I've ever seen was the Pontiac Aztec. And they used to make that car in mucus green. And it was the ugliest color for a car. But that was a nifty little ride, the Pontiac Aztec. Uh, I would bring back the Pontiac solely, though not because of the Aztec, because of the GTO is why I'd bring that yeah. back.
1: Yeah, but yeah, the Aztec was a strange-looking vehicle. <laughs> I have to, I have to say, it was.
0: If anybody, not a, if anybody still not owns a Pontiac Aztec, reach out and tell us how that thing still still drives.
1: <laughs> All right, Alec.
2: It's hard to not say Pontiac, but. I've always really liked the sobs. Yeah. The sobs are always cool cars I don't actually know if they were good cars. I've never driven one. I've never owned one. But I just I always liked the appearance of the newer sobs before they went out of business. Mm-hmm. Which I think was in twenty sixteen. Um so it would either be Pontiac or or there was some cool Saturns too. Um, I don't, I don't know if Saturn had a great reputation or not, but there was some cool, uh, some cool Saturns too. Some, uh, but probably, um, probably sob, I would say.
0: Yeah. And I, it's funny because, um, in the town that Alec and I grew up in, there was a family and if they're listening, you know, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but they, they had like eight or nine sobs just in their driveway. It looked like they were like a Saab connoisseur, and they had like the original Saab all the way up to the new one. Uh, and they would drive one around on, on any given day. I thought was, every time you, every time you went by that house, there was there was a new uh, a new Saab in the driveway.
2: Also, really fun <laughs> to say. If you say it enough times, it stops sounding like a word. Saab. 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 Well, yeah. Saab also
0: makes Saab also makes airplanes. So can they go ahead and buy Boeing so we can have safe airplanes to fly? <laughs>
1: yeah maybe i can't i can't believe nobody said amc i've never heard of amc i've heard a no, no. movie figure amc no amc look it up when you get a chance look up the amc gremlin and the amc pacer the amc pacer might be the ugliest car ever manufactured okay.
0: i'm looking this up right now while we're still here because i want i want oh my to see word,
1: this it is not good
0: oh holy <laughs>
1: Oh, it's bad. It's really bad! You, <laughs> you see really what I'm talking it. about? It. Yeah, it's it was it's rough. I mean, mm. the Gremlin's what not much it? better. No, not much better. A little bit better than the than the Pacer, but not much. Gremlin, what on earth? Good. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but not a whole lot. But yeah, no,
2: that's <laughs> ugly. That's extremely ugly. And I see why Is they went it? out of business. Do you guys ever see yeah. any Triumphs
0: driving around still?
1: I haven't seen one in a long time. Yeah. It's, in a while but, but Ford pinto that's a great
2: car right
0: ford pinto no smart,
2: the smart car but that's
1: yeah the smart car yes i can't say very much i have a fiat right now so oh. you know i have i, I have more than a, i have more than one car but i have a fiat so it's they're kind of small but it's fun to drive yeah i've always
2: wanted uh um just to drive a mini just once i've never done it a mini it would be fun, yeah. Awesome. Well,
0: I think that's going to wrap up this edition of the LotCast. We kind of went a little bit all over the place tonight, but we we appreciate you being with us, and uh, we did get our main points across, and that's the most important thing. But uh, Alec, Joel, as always, thanks, guys. Uh, Go Pack, and we'll see you next week.